Hey everybody, it's podcast shout out time again. This time I want to tell you about one of my favorite music podcasts out there. It's called Soda Jerker on Songwriting. It's hosted by Simon Barber and Brian O'Connor, these two dudes from Liverpool. So honestly, it's worth listening to just for the accents alone. Uh, but essentially they do what I do, which is interviewing musicians about the craft of songwriting and about a bunch of other musically related topics as well, except that they talk to legends. I mean, we're talking Paul Simon, Rufus Wainwright, Robbie Robertson from the band, Alicia Keys. In their interviews, they're always super knowledgeable, respectful. They ask all the right questions, and they get some really great stuff out of their guests. They're quite funny with that wonderful, sarcastic British sense of humor. Um, they're also a songwriting team themselves, and their own music's pretty good, too. They just put out their 100th episode with Jason Isbell. I personally hope they can make 100 more. Uh, if you like my show at all, you'll definitely love theirs. You can find the Soda Jerker on Songwriting Podcast at sodajerker.com or streaming on iTunes, Stitcher, and Audioboom. You're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. For episode 27, we have Brian Noyce Watkins. Brian is the leader of the Seattle trio Tom Ten, often described as Baroque or Dream Pop for their prominent use of organ, electric piano, as well as analog synthesizers. Tom Ten shares a wide influence from early power pop to electric folk. They're having their album release show very soon, July 14th at the Sunset Tavern, for their new album, Cremation Songs. We're going to hear a song from that album now called Cloud Man Calling. Let's begin at the start You took the
Thanks for coming over today, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. I guess we'll start out with uh, origin story. Uh-huh. So um, where are you from originally? I grew up in, around Monterey, California, about two hours south of San Francisco. Oh. Monterey, Carmel area. Very pretty, but lots of old people. <laughs> Sounds like where I'm from. Yeah, where are you from? I'm from uh, the Northampton, Massachusetts oh, okay. area. Cool. So it's a lot of colleges mm-hmm. and a great place to grow up. But once you graduate from college, there's not much going on yeah. besides just schools and uh, people coming there to retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of people tend to move away at that point. It's definitely a, a bubble. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of my friends that have stayed there are kind of bummed out a bit. But well, it is pretty, so that's one thing. Do you have like a music festival down there or something? There was. I mean, there's the famous uh, the Monterey Pop Festival where like Jimi Hendrix set his guitar on fire for the first time, I think. Uh, and they've tried to bring that back several times, but um, it doesn't really seem to work. There's always like kind of a backlash of people that don't want concerts in the town and stuff like that. It's too noisy. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's kind of remote, too. It's not the most convenient place for a... Yeah, it's still off like uh, the 101, sort of. You're right on like, yeah, it's closer to like Central Coast Highway, but Big hmm. Sur definitely gets like big bands and they have festivals out there, which is cool. So you grew up in Monterey, California, playing music there and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started on piano. I got lessons from this cool guy. He was like the he was the organist at this mission that's over there. So he played that huge thing, and um, he's a fun guy to learn piano from. So when did you start doing that? Uh, I was about eight, and then I took lessons from him for up through high school. I should probably be better than I am. I would always. Yeah, I was gonna kind say of, that's a lot of years. It is a long time. Yeah, I, uh, I. Uh, I was kind of disobedient, though. I, would, I wouldn't really do my theory um, lessons, and I would like make up songs and bring them in, and he'd be like, oh. <laughs> but yeah. You, so. you just wanted to do your own thing after <laughs> yeah. a certain point? Yeah. So your keyboards all the way then? Keyboards, yeah, and then I started learning guitar, and I played in like, upright bass and uh, orchestra in high school. After you graduated and all that stuff, you uh, came up to Seattle then, or yeah, I came up here. I went to I went to Cornish for a few years, and that's where I met uh, Lena Simon, who started this band with. And she's she's not in the band anymore. She's in the she now plays in that band La Luz. They relocated down to L.A., but they're like a surf rock four piece. They're fun. Um, but yeah, she and I started the band. Then Jake Brady, who plays drums, joined, and he's he's still in the group with. Uh, Dylan, who plays bass now, and Dylan and I run this uh, small record label together that we'll be releasing the new one on. Oh, cool! What's yeah. that called? It's called Plume Records. We've been doing it for about a year. I think we have yeah we have seven groups on the roster now, which is cool. A really pretty good number. Yeah, it's been it's been really great creating this this community with the label and helping out our buddies and. So it's a trio right now, Tom Ten. Tom Ten's a trio, yeah. I mean, when we've recorded, we'll have a bunch of people come in. Right, right. But, um, yeah, we usually, just when we're playing live, it's a trio set up. I'll have, like, three keyboards, and which can be kind of... Do you do the Keith ass. Emerson thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do the Rick Wakeman, or I wear capes. <laughs> not, behind not your yet, back yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Maybe in, uh, like, 40 years. So you guys started playing together... So that would be like uh, six, seven years ago now? Yeah, we all met 
in 2008, 2009, but okay. we didn't yeah. really get the band, the lineup, the way it's the way it sort of is now until like 2010 or so. And uh, this new record coming out will be technically our, our third. We did one album when we first got together that mm-hmm. I kind of like to keep in the darkness. <laughs> I talked to them recently <laughs> that has that same thing. They're on their third album, but they're referring to it as their second. They're like, <laughs> no, we don't really talk about that that person. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wanted to like hear it, I wouldn't be like, no. You wouldn't stop you know, him. No, but uh, <laughs> I prefer to just keep it on the down low. <laughs> it's, there, just, it's there for the hardcore fans if yeah, they really want yeah. to dig that deep. Yeah, I think it's just it's very much a CD. It's like an album where we're, we're still trying to figure out what we wanted to sound like or what you know dynamics. There's like, at the time, I just played an organ a lot, so it's very organ rock, and that can at times... Sounds a little cheesy, circusy, and I think it uh, brought out the like Doors comparisons, mm. which I didn't really want. <laughs> so when you guys all started playing together, what was like the the vision for the group? Were you all in sync about uh, what you wanted your sound to be, or you were kind of experimenting for a while? Uh, we were more experimenting for a while because we it was never uh, gonna be just. I mean, I read all the songs now, but when we first started, it was more collaborative. So. Greg, who played guitar at the time, would write some songs. Lena would write a batch of songs, and we'd all kind of put them together with each other. But uh, as time went on, I just—I think it really just happened that I was just writing more songs, and then they just became the ones we used. But uh, Lena wrote a cool track on, I guess, our our first album. Quote unquote. Yeah, quote unquote first album. That's uh, it's fun. It's too bad we don't play it anymore. But um, it's called So So So, and that one was was always really fun to play. So what does the name Tomten mean anyway? It's a kind of Swedish folklore character, like a wintertime. I guess it's not really a gnome or like a more like a maybe like a pixie mixed with a gnome. I mean he comes out on your farm and the children leave porridge out for him and I don't know if you don't do that. I think he like you know, terrorizes your horses or something like that. He's not malicious, but he's kind of a little bastard. Kind of a troublemaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like an old children's book by Astrid Lindgren that I found. I was having that moment where I'm like, what do we we name the band? This sucks. I hate band names. Yeah. And then I just (laughs) found this book, and I was like, oh, that's cute. Let's just go with that. That works. (laughs) So you said at this point you're the the only songwriter in the group. Yeah. So you'll put something together and then bring it to the band to to flesh out? Yeah, yeah. I I usually have the songs pre-figured out before I show them to Jake and Dylan, but... They'll they'll come up with their own parts and every once in a while we'll we'll rearrange something or add it you know if it if it feels like it needs it but yeah it has changed a lot more I feel a lot more in control of that part of the band which is nice I, uh, so what's your songwriting process like usually how do you how do you uh, go about that is there any uh, patterns not not really I I've, I feel like things just kind of come out like I have a, I write a lot of songs on my on my Wurlitzer. This is electric piano that I have mm. in my room. One of the ones from the 70s? Yeah, it's one of the 200 A's. It's nice. nice. So I really like writing on it. So I'll just come up with some, you know, melody, and then I'll go for a walk, and I'll come up with some lyrics. Unless, I, you know, something hits me otherwise. But I don't really, I don't have, like, a routine that I always go about, really. Do you have a favorite part of the uh, music-making process, like the lyrics and melody 
Lyrics so and when you really shine, or do you like the the production and arranging? Because I know you got a lot of parts going on. In yeah, I my I love recording the most. I, it's always kind of sad when we've like finished a record because it's uh, it's all done. Yeah, I, I think putting an album out is my least favorite part of making a record. I really like the process of going into the studio and figuring out what it's going to sound like and all the pleasant surprises that come with that. So when did you start writing songs, though? Uh, probably in high school. I had a really shitty high school band that I wrote songs for, and I have some embarrassing photos that I found recently mm -hmm. of um, uh, the outfits I would wear when we performed. <laughs> but no. You had a, a theme going, costumes? Yeah, yeah, I think there was lots of, like, tight-fitting pants that I shouldn't have worn. You know, you get the uh, <laughs> teenage moose knuckle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds rough. Yeah. Um, what were your uh, your big influences when you were getting into that? Who were your, your musical idols back in the day? Probably the Kinks. I remember when I was about 14 and I got really into the Kinks. They were just my favorite band. Like the Kinks and the Cure, probably my two favorite bands throughout high school other than the Beatles. Or, yeah. yeah. No, I, I hear your music and I hear a lot of that sort of Kinks, like uh, late 60s Rolling Stones mm -hmm. sound. Well, I really like, I just really like the, like, the rhythm playing on those uh, those records and it's very playful yeah kind of loose yeah i think ray davies is really great at writing songs that are sort of that are breezy and bouncy and then when you listen to the lyrics they're kind of troubling biting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. scathing like victoria or something yeah australia yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh, arthur is my favorite kinks record i love that album yeah so the new album is called cremation songs yeah and what kind of album would you say it is hmm it's our biggest sounding album i think we we did it all uh, most of it all the basic tracking at this really wonderful studio in anacortes called the unknown and it's in an, what used to be a church this old catholic church and it's uh so it's, it's got a very vast sound echoey drums it's great for recording drums I, i'm really happy with how that turned out but yeah we did all the basic tracks there to tape before we we went digital on, you know, overdubs and things because it was a bit easier. So there's a nice, I think there, there's a really warm and big rhythm sound on this record that I'm happy with. So you went for big. We went for big around. this time, yeah. Uh, I think the next record will be the, the synthesizer record. <laughs> and there's some synths on this, but it's, it's a, I think it's a little more acoustic, really. We have, like, a lot of strings, uh, a lot of piano, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. Thematically, is there anything going on in particular? That this, <sighs> these songs, these uh, songs have a certain thing binding them together? or Not necessarily. They still kind of range. I think I wrote most of them within two years. There's one song on it that's uh, pretty old. I wrote in like 2011. And I never really found a home on stuff we were doing, so we finally was like, this could work on this record, put it on there. So. It's always really satisfying when it is. you finally find a place yeah. for those. It can finally bury those it. <laughs> yeah. It can finally rest in peace. Or get cremated. Or get cremated, yeah. So I've seen that you guys describe your music as Baroque pop. Yeah. But uh, what does Baroque mean to you? What are the qualities of pop music that, uh, I, that give it that title? I I know that that term is, is kind of bullshit. It's... Um, I always liked the ring of it, though. You know, I feel yeah, like it's nice. There's nice sound. You always hear it used to describe like Odyssey and Oracle, or I felt like it worked because we were using 
a lot of keyboards and you know bands like the left bank would get described as baroque pop and they don't really have many baroque aspects like they're not doing like fugues or anything in their songs yeah. but so it's just when you base the songs around piano or keyboards more yeah, I know the zombies did that a lot yeah i think yeah. that's kind of how i see it um I also just like using it's better than saying like oh play rock and roll or you know right right when you guys play live you don't have a guitarist so much then. uh we do sometimes I'll, I'll play guitar on okay. certain songs there's songs that if i've written it on guitar i'll just have a electric setup and then i'll stand at the keyboards playing the guitar <laughs> but uh, you're not you're not so much based around the electric guitar no like so many other bands no not really here yeah yeah it would be nice to i think you know at some point i'd like to get someone else in the band to play guitar live you know every every show but eh, it's just it's been kind of on the back burner Tell me about uh, starting Plume. Um, Dylan and I had been talking about it for about a year, and he was recording his uh, first solo record. I also play in his group. It's called John Dylan, which is just his first name. And when he was figuring out how to put it out, we were like, well, maybe we should just we should just start a label together and we could put this out first and see like how it goes with that. So we did, and um, then my... My friends uh, Sarah and Kate down in San Francisco are in a really cool band called Magic Magic Roses, and I'd heard their their new record because she's as Sarah is the sister of Lena who was in Tompton for a while, and we put them out next, and then things just kind of kept rolling, and we just and slowly pacing ourselves. I think we need to probably go back and just do like maybe one big release that's vinyl, CD, and digital, and then. We can also do releases that are smaller. Like we've been doing some cassettes. We're putting out a group called Moon Palace in the fall, and we're doing CD and cassette for them. Mm. And the other big release, other than Cremation Songs, is uh, Shenandoah Davis's new record that'll come out in September. So yeah, it's been it's been keeping me on my feet. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds like a lot of work is involved. Yeah, yeah. I really I, I found that I enjoy. Working with getting these records pressed, I, I think uh, I enjoy the correspondence between the plants and like going back to the artists and it's an figuring out. Job. out. Yeah, yeah. Need to find a, a publicist, like in house potentially. I think that'd be nice. I don't really, I've never been a big fan of writing bios or. Mm, that's the do, challenge, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I guess it's easier when you're writing about somebody else. I, I really hate writing our own bios. It's really awkward. Yeah. I mean, I think ideally you try to get somebody else, yeah. especially someone with a background in writing. True. Yeah. I find, especially when I end up writing my own bio or like I see a lot of other musicians having to do it for themselves and you end up just talking about the music rather than like trying to figure out your own personal story. Yeah. It's kind of... Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's not I, really where a musician's brain goes. No, I've I've tried to just come up with like a fake writer when I've had to do it. I'd call him Don Mignon. I imagine some like obnoxious, like sweaty, balding, like record collector guy who never leaves his house except on record store day. Of course. Yeah. And you work at a record store. I as do. Well. Yeah, Everyday Music. I've been there about three years, and now I'm much more on call so I, I don't work there that often but it's nice to still see the cool stuff that comes through and get a discount do they deal mainly in lps or yeah CDs they well they too? do lps cds and they also sell movies so there's dvds there's even like vhs and laser disc every once in a while <laughs> so a lot of people in seattle still buying music at a 
good old brick and mortar record stores? Yeah, it's uh, staying afloat. Obviously, though, it's it doesn't compete with streaming and everything like that nowadays. But there's a, it's nice that there's still like loyal customers that'll check with us before ordering from Amazon or something like that. Yeah, you get to mm-hmm. deal with people face to face. Yeah, if they yeah. do get it at the store. You have a physical product with artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's lots of wacky regulars that come in that are that are a kick. <laughs> <laughs> when you do releases, are you involved in the artwork? For the album too. Um, sometimes uh, I did all the artwork for cremation songs, which I had a great time doing. Otherwise, with Dylan's first record, uh, "The Lost Estate," that we put out first, I, I drew the cover for that. Sort of like a weird family portrait of him surrounded by these goblin esque characters. But yeah, he, he Dylan's done a lot of the, the like design layout on things, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm always down to do it, but. Um, some other times people have just come with the artwork already finished, and that's fine too. So what drew you to Seattle in particular? It was far enough away from my hometown, but not too far. It's very easy to go back and visit. And mm. I liked, I originally liked the climate before living here eight years. I was very excited to move somewhere where it rained all the time. And You're tired I'm very of that much now. over that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. But no, it's beautiful here, and I, I love the fall here. It's my favorite time of year. Yeah, I uh, you know, I'm still glad I live here. It's a great town, but it has changed a lot, which is yeah. From what I've heard, I've yeah. only been here <clears throat> less than a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been a different place back so in the day. So many places have closed, or yeah, neighborhood vibes have really changed. There's um, yeah, it's a bit worrisome. I just think we're getting like the San Francisco treatment. Yeah, that's what I've heard. But yeah, yeah. But there's always going to be. You know, cool things going on. Yeah, the uh, the local venues seem to be still going pretty strong. There's yeah, a lot of a lot yeah. of good ones. Uh, like like the Sunset, for example, is great. They remodeled it, and it's better than ever. I think I really like the room. Speaking of which, so two days after this interview comes out, you're playing there, right? Yeah, we're gonna have our record release show there. Uh, we'll be playing with Moon Palace, a, a group we're putting out later, and uh, Chris Chaveo, who used to be in um, the band Rose Windows. Uh, yeah, it should be a really fun, Bill. should be exciting. We're going to have uh, my friend Brian and Shenandoah playing in the band. So we'll actually, it will be a five-piece for this show. Have a, I think we'll be able to recreate the sound of the record a little bit better. We'll have uh, Shenandoah play some like Mellotron string pads, and then I'll have Brian play some guitar. It'll be fun. Nice. Does Tom Ten like to do anything special in particular while performing, or are you the kind of just stand there, stone-faced, just bang out the music type? I I like to just see what happens. I don't really want to approach a show with like a a character preconception. Like, yeah, there's definitely been stone faced shows where I don't say anything, and then there's been other shows where you know unpredictable things happen. But yeah, do you try to get people to dance with their music or nod their heads or? Uh, I don't try more than just putting uh, energy into the song. I definitely yeah. don't want to... You just do your thing and whatever happens, yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the show I like to see. I feel like if you have somebody trying to, like, you know, hype everyone up, it can it can sometimes... Go poorly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels forced or something. Mm-hmm. We should just get a hype man who stands on stage and goes like, yeah, Tompton. <laughs> that would oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> just hire somebody for the night, just yeah. some stranger. yeah. It's like toasting over every song. That'd be cool. 
So the albums, the album came out uh, July seventh, mm-hmm. and uh, any particular hopes or goals with the album or with Tom Ten as far as the rest of the year goes? Well, we we just started recording the next one after this, and that's oh, been, you're already yeah, on. I know. The next I've, never, one. I've never been in this this space before. It's been exciting. So I want. I mean, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a West Coast tour in the fall. I would love to to tour more, but uh, everyone's schedule is a bit. Everyone's kind of spread thin at the moment. Mm. Um, hopefully, you know, next year we'll do some more touring. I would love to be able to do that on more uh, a regular basis. But really, I just yeah, I think I'd like to get the the live band together again more so than it is. I feel like there's there's long periods of time where we don't play, and you just sort of have to figure it out again. But yeah, like I said earlier, getting getting more people in the band for live shows would be really fun because I always like working with different people. Right. I mean, if you were going with the big sound for the record, yeah, you yeah, might, as, yeah. might as well try to go for that mm. with the live show. I think the next record, having more of like a, a synthesizer sound, it might be fun to have somebody just play like two other keyboards and then I could still play two and like a guitar. It would be fun setup. I, I hear that and I'm thinking like uh, Tame Impala's new album. So oh, yeah, sound. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going for that? Maybe, in the, yeah. Or like a orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Uh, approach. I love that band. Actually, huh. so some new songs that we've been writing, I've, I've sort of had them in mind. Are you, have you ever listened to their record? Um, they have this really great record called Architecture and Morality. Uh, no, I haven't heard their stuff too much. I've okay. definitely come across their name before. Cool. Yeah, they're I'm fun. I have to check them out. Fun yeah. 80s synth pop band. Yeah, synths are cool again. Oh, yeah. I guess they've been cool for a while now. They've always been cool <laughs> and nerdy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use Vintage Synth Explorer? I have a few old synths. Is the Vintage Synth Synth Explorer website or is that? Yeah, that was uh, like I was in an electronic music class long ago, and that was like the go-to. Like, yeah, the synth. This yeah, little blurbs about the. Of course, the estimated price is back from like the early two thousands, and just you look back at it now, it's like that times two or yeah times four or whatever. What uh, what synths you got? I have a few. I have a you know I have a, a Juno 106, which is great. I used to have classic. one of those. I love. I it. wish I held on to it. I love it. That's yeah, so they, that's a synth that like used to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, it used and, to be like the everyman's synth. And now now they're you know at least like a grand. <sighs> I sold mine for like four hundred bucks. No, I think. but it was a while ago. But I really should have held on to it. I feel like the those DX sevens are still reasonably priced, and those are great synths too. The Yamahas. I had one of those too. Nice. I never really liked those. I sold yeah. that one pretty quickly. Um, what else do I have? I have a I have a really cool Roland Paraphonic five hundred five synth. It's like a late seventies string synthesizer. That, that one I have not heard of. It's it cool. sounds. It's got that kind of like biting like horror movie sound to it. Like you can get some really scary string sounds out of it. And then I have this cool monophonic one. That's like an old Roland that I've been using for a lot of the leads on these new songs. Mm. There's some really weird settings on it. It's all these toggle switches. And there's one that's just called Frogman, and it sounds like this. It just makes these weird ribbit noises, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. I had, like, a few synths long ago, and then I kind of moved into the whole software synth thing. Mm-hmm. Cause they're just soft easy. synth. Soft synth, yeah, because they're just kind of easy to get a hold of. And they're good, too. Do you ever use those, or you try I, to keep it, I don't. Keep it analog? Um, and I haven't. You know, not use them because I haven't wanted to. I just haven't really 
I shouldn't really, I don't really have any that much like recording stuff on my computer. I, if I do demos at home, I have I have this uh, a Tascam four track, and then once I make the demos, I just kind of will go to the studio and end up doing it with someone else. So it's like yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoy recording with that Tascam. It's really fun. It's really simple. It's got a nice sound to it. So earlier you were saying you were hoping for uh, some sort of tour situation to happen. Has Tom Ten done a lot of touring in the past? Yeah, we, we've toured before. Um, we've done out to East Coast and back twice. Uh, when we put out the last record, we did like a six-week tour. We, uh, we went all the way out to New York and then back. And it was at a really good time, but it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to do. I think the best way to do it would be if we... You know, we're able to open for a bigger band rather than going out by yourself and just yeah. it's very hit and miss because there's sometimes you have a great show and, you know, you meet a lot of cool new people or, or other times you're just in the middle of nowhere playing to the sound man. I was going to say, how, like when you're <laughs> going around touring, how do you try to get like some assurance that people are going to come if you're just going to a completely new town? Yeah, you hope that the bill has been booked well with bands that might, you know, be good with you or... <clears throat> maybe a town where you know people. And I mean, Jake and I would always try and reach out to like the local papers and things like that and try and get right. Yeah, yeah. So every once in a while it's we would or get, or get an interview. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, especially when you're playing in like, I don't know, Lubbock, Texas, <laughs> and you got to play for three hours in some like college football bar. And, uh, I don't think Tompton's really that kind of band, but yeah, I was going to say, we tried to be, I don't think <laughs> of your music as sports bar music so much, but. I guess experiences like that really help to mm -hmm. build the band up. Mm -hmm. If you can do that sort of stuff, you can do anything. Yeah, and we didn't come back completely broken. We came back broke, but our Not spirits, broken. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, I hope you have a lot more exciting shows this year. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. That was Brian. Seems like a real stand-up guy. I'm sure running a record label is no easy task. Glad he's doing that. Keeping the scene going strong. If you liked this episode of Talking About the Passion, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are also always appreciated. Sign up for the Niagara Moon mailing list if you would like to get weekly updates on the podcast and for Niagara Moon as well. Go to niagaramoonmusic.com and scroll down to enter in your email address. You can find the podcast on Facebook. Look up Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you would like to write in with suggestions, questions, or comments about the podcast, you can email TATPPodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon song Pantheon Bar off my recent album, Eating Peaches. Up now, we have two more tracks off of Cremation Songs, Lorenz Tomb and Ballad of Bluebell. As always, thank you for listening, and I will see you next Wednesday.
the monster You slid down the shoe A vinegar in A grey flannel suit Telling wicked lies Pinching your loot Or was he the grenadier's cutaway son a carbuncle monopod sucking his thumb I do believe a kingdom has come Bring it 